Hello, everyone, and welcome to Where's the Gospel? I'm Stephen. You may have heard me from such shows as The Heavenly Spectrum and just that, because this is this is the, still The Heavenly Spectrum, technically. We're, we're playing around with the idea of segments that break off under the umbrella of the Heavenly Spectrum, but deal with more kind of specific niche issues within the, the broader spectrum of, of talking about God and his universe. So what is this? What are we doing? What's where's the gospel? What's the point of this segment? Well, here's the deal. The story of God and his universe can be identified and glorified in anything that his image bearers, his creation creates. So on where's the gospel, we'll look at specific media, identifying and glorifying God's story. Simple as that. My hope is that you as the listener can hear this and think about what is discussed. And then you'll be able to, in the words of New York pastor, Tim Keller, put the gospel on like a pair of glasses. And then everything you watch, listen to, or play can be seen as reflections of a beautiful and broken creation. Now, that may seem obvious in some regards and maybe even comical if you think about the large spectrum of media and also the uh, large spectrum of Christian opinion on media. You've got some people who, I would argue, thoughtlessly engage in any and all media, and then you have some people who avoid it like the plague. It's all Satan. Satan's hiding behind every movie, every show. You have an array of people, and I would actually argue that the complexity and beauty of the body of God is that we need everyone's voices at the table to help kind of course correct one another. When we start listening to the extremes, the black and whites on any one of these issues is when we start drifting further and further from the nuance and complexity that is the word of God, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, as they say. Anyways, where's the gospel? Two things. The scripture that I want to draw from is Act 17, and then a book that I'm going to draw on is The Stories We Tell by Mike Cosper. First, I'm going to read Acts 17, and then we're going to come back to this. So this is starting in verse 22. Paul addresses the Ar- wow, Areopagus, starting in verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, what therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we indeed are his offspring. Bookmark that in your brain. We're going to come back to that. First, I want to talk a little bit about the stories we tell. I don't know if you can think of pieces of media, written or visual, that have become very foundational to the way that you think about and process the world. If you want a peek inside the way that my mind works when it comes to media, Go pick up a copy of The Stories We Tell. It's by Mike Cosper. He used to be a pastor over at Sojourn in Louisville. His claim to fame more recently would be that he uh, spearheaded the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the podcast spotlighting the uh, soap opera-esque 
timeline of the Mars Hill Church and Pastor Mark Driscoll. Because of the uh, huge success of that podcast, naturally, Christians have a wide spectrum of opinions on Mike Cosper and his show. That's fine. We're not here to talk about that. What I am here to talk about is the stories we tell, which I think is a beautiful book. It's a simple book, but I think a very useful book. The sort of thesis of Mike's book would be, in his words, that our ordinary, everyday stories intersect with the biggest story that God is telling. He goes on to say, Our ingenuity and creativity are merely an exploration of the ways God has prepared the world to display his own creativity. Creation was built for playful discovery and invention by a God who is the master of both. So Mike really takes a wide variety of shows and movies, some things that you might immediately sense some kind of gospel themes in the background, and some that would be very shocking to think about the gospel. So like The Wire or Dexter or certain reality TV shows he, he dives into and does a really, I think, fascinating and beautiful job of working out how either the gospel is positively or negatively displayed in the created world. So positively would be maybe your your Harry Potters or your Lord of the Rings of the world, where um, there are very obvious gospel themes, you know, Harry or Gandalf as, as the hero who dies to save his friends, you know, maybe a simple example. Mount Doom in Lord of the Rings is, is hell. It's just obviously hell. So sometimes you have these narratives. Narnia is, I guess, the obvious one I went right past. Often you have these very clear Christian allegories and it doesn't take much critical thought to pull out how God's story is displayed in this in this story. The wires, the Dexters, the Game of Throneses of the world, these might be where the gospel is negatively displayed. It points towards a creation that is broken and longing to be redeemed. The negative display of the gospel is showing, here's what happens in a fallen world. Here's why we need someone to make the world right again. And here's what happens when we put false gods in the seat that God should rightly have. On the Heavenly Spectrum this past week, we talked about idolatry and the false gods that we have in our lives. Plenty of shows, especially reality TV, can show what happens when we put things above God like money or sex or influence or whatever it may be, these these many idols that we can have in our lives. I have long been a movie enthusiast. I went to uh, school for film back in high school. For a long time, I had a really hard time of discerning is it okay for me to be watching movies? Because they're certainly not Christians in most of these. Uh, God is certainly not being glorified in a lot of these movies. God isn't a factor in a lot of these movies. Is this even okay for me as a Christian to be watching? And this is an important thing for Christians to wrestle with. Here's the point that I want to drive home through this show. As Christians, it's not that we can't partake in media. It's just that we can't thoughtlessly partake in media because media shapes us, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. A sort of funny but also sad uh, quote in this book from David Foster Wallace. It's from the 90s, and he's talking about television and how, on average, Americans intake six hours a day. Here's what David Foster Wallace has to say. When everybody we seek to identify with for six hours a day is pretty, it naturally becomes more important to us to be pretty, to be viewed as pretty. Because prettiness becomes a priority for us, the pretty people on TV become all the more attractive, a cycle which is obviously great for TV. But it's less great for us civilians who tend to own mirrors, and who also tend not to be anywhere near as pretty as the TV images we want to identify with. Not only does this cause some angst personally, but the angst increases, because, nationally, everybody else is absorbing six-hour doses and identifying with pretty people and valuing prettiness more, too. 
This very personal anxiety about our prettiness has become a national phenomenon with national consequences. So that idea can be applied to media and the effect that media has on our hearts and souls because the same way that media can influence the way we see beauty and prettiness, it can also influence the way that we see God, the world, sexuality, language. If I am regularly intaking thoughtlessly media where people are constantly using foul language, I am going to become desensitized to this. If I thoughtlessly intake media where there is profuse sexuality, it is warping my view of what is sexuality for. What is sex? What is good sex? What is bad sex? If I intake media thoughtlessly where people are regularly mocking, ridiculing, renouncing God, it is going to shape the way that I see my own faith and the way that I see God. The response I do not believe, I strongly do not believe, is to flee from all media. The importance is to thoughtfully intake the media. And at that point, I want to return to Acts 17. Paul was talking to the Areopagus. I want to zoom in on verse 28. Paul was making his argument. He was talking about God. And then he goes, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Those two lines, in him we live and move and have our being, and then for we are indeed his offspring. If you're looking at this in your Bible or if you're looking at it on a scripture website, usually this will have the kind of funky indentation that shows that Paul is quoting something right now. Most of the time when there is a quote like this or some sort of kind of special poetic type indentation, usually it's a reference back to the Old Testament. And it means that Paul is pulling from past scripture, past words of God. But here, he's not doing that at all. He's actually quoting poems about Zeus, love poems about Zeus. So in him we live and move and have our being, and then for we are indeed his offspring. These were written in love and adoration and glorification of Zeus, a false god, a idol, depending on what Christian perspective you get on that, a demonic presence. So what Paul is doing is taking some media at the time, if I can kind of loosely interpret that word, some creative content and expression at that time, that is for a different God promoting a different worldview. And he is reworking the words of that poem to speak to men who do not love God to then glorify God. So Paul is intaking these other worldviews, but because he's intaking it with the lens on that is seeing God as the creator of this beautiful and broken world, he's able to then retake that story and turn it into something that does glorify God. And I think that is a beautiful example of how we can approach media. In my own friend circles, there's that kind of cheesy, kind of goofy, tongue-in-cheek way that people like to say, that's the gospel. If someone says something in movies or shows or books or whatever it is, we can kind of jokingly say that. But I want us to actually pause and think about the fact that we are created beings. We are living in a created world by a creator who is a master storyteller. We can't help but echo his story in everything we create. There isn't a story outside of his story. Any story that is told, if we apply it critically and thoughtfully with a gospel lens, can be used to glorify God in his world. But again, discernment is important. To quote Cosper again in the stories we tell, he says, Our engagement should be motivated by neither the thrill of sin nor the thrill of religion, but by the thrill of the gospel. 
Meaning that there are two kind of approaches that you can take to media as a Christian. There can be a where's the line kind of approach where you're intentionally almost in, a, in that original sin rebellion kind of heart wanting to push the lines. What can I get away with watching? You know, I'll just watch this and then confess later and, and do the whole talk to God thing. And, you know, so sin, so grace may abound, as Paul would say, really abusing the idea of Christian liberty and watching anything and everything. The other end of the spectrum would be the thrill of religion, as Cosper said. So this would be the I am abstaining from media so that I can look down on those who are partaking in this. I'm not going to watch that show all my other Christian friends are watching because I know it's depraved and I am now a better Christian than them. It's pride motivated. It's piety. It's Phariseeism. It is performative. Look at how I pray. Look at how I worship. Look at what media I do and don't partake in. My own heart, my own sinful heart, I can fall into both of these camps. I can want to watch a piece of media claiming that I'm doing it for educational purposes, to learn, to see where I can find my gospel themes that I'm talking about. What it really is, is there's an actress in there that I think is beautiful and I want to see a beautiful actress. You know, I can hear about another Christian brother or sister who's consuming a show and think, oh, I don't watch that show because it's depraved. I can't believe they're watching this. Both of those are dead faith. They don't lead to flourishing. They don't lead to close relationship with God and they don't lead to a more beautiful appreciation of his world. Each individual one of us needs to be willing to have the maturity to apply our own personal discernment with the counsel and advice of peers and talking to God and going to scripture and knowing our own hearts to discern what media is helpful for us to watch. At no point in what I've talked about today or what we'll talk about in future episodes do I want you to take this and say, oh, okay, this was my license to go watch anything and everything now. Because while I do believe that the gospel story can be reflected in anything created by God's creation. In the words of Paul, all things are lawful, not all things are helpful. There are movies and shows that I'm very intrigued by and would be very interested in watching. And because of my own heart, because of my own sinful past, because of what areas of sin I know are particularly hard for me, I will not be watching those movies and those shows because it would not be helpful. There's a lot of media out there. There are a lot of other stories. And holding to my own belief, I can have that same experience in any media I choose to partake. So this episode obviously was very introductory. We're kind of laying the kind of where am I coming from? These segments are going to come out in between episodes of the Heavenly Spectrum. Not every other week. Sometimes Jacob's going to have a week to do his segment, which he'll talk about when the time comes. But when Where's the Gospel comes along, we're going to take a show or a movie and we're going to pull out. Where's the gospel? How is the gospel positively or negatively shown? What are themes that are glorifying to God? What are themes that echo a broken world that point to a world in need of a savior? And you know me, I'm a goofball, I'm a goofer, I love being wacky and saying wacky, goofy things, and I'm intentionally going to pick some titles that might feel like I am joking. It's intentional, because I want to pick the movies and the shows that you would not expect that are not necessarily the Narnias of the world, because I truly want to drive home the, the reality that this exercise can be applied to anything. The gospel does not have to be handed to you on a silver platter to be present. And I assure you, the gospel is present in everything God's image bears pump out, which is everything. I hope that you will enjoy the beautifully creative media produced by beautifully creative image bearers, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of a beautifully creative God. And I hope that you will do so thoughtfully, remembering that every time that you watch a movie or a show or listen to a song or play a game, you are stepping into that creator's world. So don't be surprised if you start seeing the world the way they do. Where's the Gospel is brought to you by The Heavenly Spectrum. Music by Nicole Lazar. If you have ideas for movies or TV shows that you'd like discussed, send them to theheavenlyspectrum at gmail.com. As a sneak peek for next time, we'll be talking about Wreck-It Ralph. 
Till next time. 